Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. To embrace our culture and heritage, and as Farrah likes to say, even our accents, and empower those in the tourism industry. So we are very focused on maintaining who we are and turning that story around, and we're proud of who we are. Appalachia Meets World, podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachia. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia Meets World, it's Will. And Neil. What's happening, bro? I know that this episode we recorded on Earth Day. Yes, we did. Today is Earth Day. This episode won't come out on Earth Day, but very appreciative of the Earth and all the wonderful things that it gives us. <laughs> Do you know when Earth Day started? Oh, yeah, it was around uh, uh, 1980. Really? <laughs> I have no idea when Earth Day started. I don't either. I mean, we come up with new holidays every year. Earth Day is for the measurement of time of one rotation. Earth Day is an annual event on April 22nd to support the environment and environmental protection. First held on April 22nd, 1970. See, I told you. I was I was right there. I was you close. Went, you went that far off. That's pretty uh, good, man. See, I know my I know my Earth Day history. So Earth Day, did you do anything for Earth Day? Uh, yes, I'm doing it right now. Picking up uh, some trash or what? Yeah, I always constantly pick up trash. Uh, it is a big pet peeve of mine now that you mention it. I'm constantly picking up people's trash. But uh, I, I had this uh, podcast show on Earth Day, so we were celebrating it by talking about it. Special episode. My little ones got some trash bags and went around our yard picking up trash. For Earth Day. So who told them it was Earth Day? Did they learn that at school? It's school. It's a school thing, man. Yeah. Fortunately, they do learn that at school. Good. The other thing I did for Earth Day, I purchased a couple of trees. Oh, did you plant them yet? I'm going to plant them for Earth Day. Can you guess what kind of trees they are? Mountain laurels. Oh, that that would be nice. But uh, I bought some pawpaw trees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try to grow some pawpaws. What what uh what got you in the mood to grow some pawpaws? Man, I've always wanted to have a pawpaw tree growing up in Appalachia. You know, you, you hear about them all the time, but uh you don't see many here. And I just wanted to grow some pawpaws. That's a uh, great thing to be growing outside of Appalachia. I wish you were in Appalachia growing them, but we'll keep growing them here as well. <laughs> I did want to mention. Backroads of Appalachia just had the hill climb in yeah. beautiful Pine Mountain. Pine Mountain. Yep, yep. <clears throat> Hate we couldn't attend that, but, you know, lots of things going on right now. Glad you gave him a shout out, though. Yep, heard it was a success. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick. Yeah. ARH, the Appalachian Regional Healthcare System, and App Harvest just announced yesterday that they have partnered, basically make Appalachia healthier in regards to their employees. So at, right now, App Harvest employs like 500 people. The ARH employs 6,000 regionally. At the end of this year, beginning of next year, they're thinking that they may employ a total of combined 10,000 people between Kentucky and West Virginia. And they have a lot of goals and partnership to make their employees he- healthier. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So what a great idea. Out. Great to see two great organizations coming together. One last thing I had to mention, power grants. You know, we mentioned a lot of, lot about power grants in the ARC on this show. A lot of our past guests have been recipients of power grants. I just wanted to call people's attention that today, April 29th, is the deadline to submit your power grant for this round. 
So if anybody's got applications out there, I know it's a little too late to let someone know. People that are applying, good luck. Just wanted to give a shout out. Those of you that today's the last day for you and you're just now thinking about it, make a note and do it for next year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because it's Earth Day, you know, it has to do with environmental protection and outdoors. Do you have an app biz for us this week? Well, actually, I do. And it's one that's close to me that I would like to, to mention. And I've wanted to mention this business for a while and uh, just haven't had an opportunity yet to kind of fit it in on discussion of what we're on. But down here in uh, East Bernstadt, Kentucky, located at 7800 North U.S. Highway 25, just off of I-75, Wildcat Adventures Off-Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know you've heard of it, and hopefully a lot of our listeners have. It's quite the spectacle, and you can't really appreciate it until you get back to where it where it starts and where it's located. There's over 2,000 acres of off-road park that lots of off-road enthusiasts, enthusiasts attend all year long. Uh, there's over 100 miles of trails through southeastern Kentucky, and it's located just two miles off of I-75 out in East Bernstadt, Kentucky. And I'm super proud of that place being a a native of this part of the world. But check it out sometime. Wildcat Adventures Off-Road. Those of you that are off-road enthusiasts, it's perfect for you. Interesting fact, Will, it's open. Can, Can you guess how often it's open? You talking about days or hours? All of the above. Let's say six days a week. It's a good guess. Try seven, Will. 365. Seven seven days a week, 364. The only day they're closed is Christmas Day. Nice. You can get into this park anytime. The trails are open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to midnight. Saturday and Sunday, 8 a.m. to midnight. Those guys are killing it from hours of operation. But a lot of it is, you know, uh, enthusiasts who are, are willing to, to go in the park at any time. So check it out. Wildcat Adventures Off-Road, open 364. Speaking of outdoor tourism, what's one of your favorite things to do there in eastern Kentucky? Man, there's so many great things, and what a great question. You know, one of my favorite things to do is go trail running. So there's a lot of beautiful trails down close to, to Laurel Lake. Uh, the Shilatoe Trail runs through here, and there's some awesome uh, outdoor trail running. Uh, a lot of people go mountain biking down there. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do when I have time, just to get away from the craziness of my busy schedule and, and go down there and spend a couple hours in the woods. Probably one of my favorite things in this area, but also getting out on the lake doesn't happen a whole lot for me nowadays, but I, I sure do like it a lot. And uh, we got some great outdoor areas near me that i can enjoy yeah you have a favorite lake laurel lake because it's close Uh, you know you know it's laurel gotta be right i mean there's lots of lakes in kentucky and and lots of people name certain lakes near me that's their favorite but mine's laurel for sure lake life yeah you know every time i go to the lake i think how could i just enjoy this all day long and get paid (laughs) <laughs> you, you can become a, a ranger yeah I, <laughs> a I could, park yeah, ranger. yeah that's a good that's a good point uh, i just want to stay there all the time one of the my favorite places in eastern kentucky and and it's a bias because it's where we grew up the famed chained rock yes sir just drove through a couple of days ago actually and was the the kids that were with me i was i was showing i was pointing it out to them you know when you drive through pineville around the Robert L. Maiden Bypass. If you look up to the sky, you can see that chain attached to that rock. You can tell your kids about all the wonderful tales there are associated with chain rock, how it's basically saved the city. And like the tale that our dad told us, right? That he climbed across it? Yeah, I'm still in this. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that or not. I know, I know. (laughs) No, there are no pictures. He didn't have a cell phone back then. He he could probably, he'd probably tell us he could do it right now at his age. (laughs) He'd tell us, but the problem is he couldn't be able to, he wouldn't hike up there. (laughs) He had to prove it. (laughs) But yeah, it's one of my favorite places. I I don't even know when they put it up. Do you know the exact date? No, I don't. Just the view is amazing. Just to be up there in nature. It's a cool little hike. 
it's funny. Obviously, a chain's a chain, but I always used to call it chain rock, but it's uh, really chained, chained rock. Rock. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, so mother, if you're looking it up. Our mother would be glad of proper English. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite places, but I wanted to mention it, one, because it's Earth Day. We have a special episode Mm-hmm. on this recording of our earth day so we're recording on earth day this will come out next friday but the special episode are with two ladies you know we talk about gassing up appalachia all the time or as much as we can but these two ladies get to gas up eastern kentucky as their job every single day i'm super jealous of that will what a, what a wonderful job and assignment and also what an important one as well to tell the stories of all the wonderful beauty there is in Eastern Kentucky. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Kentucky pride and Kentucky wildlands. And we will talk about that with these two individuals. I'm super excited because one, it's where we grew up, our neck of the woods, but also, like you said, it's an important thing to do to not only market towards people outside the region to help them better understand what's in the region, but also to market to people in the region. And we hope to talk to them about that as well. Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right, let's go. Welcome to the special episode today in honor of Earth Day, which is today, April 22nd. We are recording on the actual day. This episode won't come out till next week, but we're recording on April 22nd. And in honor of Earth Day, we are talking with an organization that really drives tourism and economic development by focusing on the environment and water quality and environmental education. Kentucky Pride, or the Personal Responsibility in a Desirable Environment, is a nonprofit launched in 1997. It covers 42 counties in southern and eastern Kentucky. It's also recently launched an initiative that's known as Kentucky Wildlands, a regional tourism marketing initiative to drive economic development in those pre-mentioned 42 counties. And we have with us today two incredible individuals, two ladies that are leading the efforts of the, this organization and initiative. Tammy Nazario, who is the CEO of Pride, and Farrah Dobbs, the marketing director of Kentucky Wildlands. Ladies, we just want to thank you for being here. We greatly appreciate your time on this special Earth Day, and thank you for all that you're doing for Eastern Kentucky. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. We asked this question of all our guests. As most Appalachians are big on traditions, Neil and I, our family, we're big on tradition as well. One of the traditions we have at the holidays, we have appetizers. We usually have more appetizers than the actual meal. So we wanted to kick it off and ask you, what's your favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Yeah, well, I have so many. Um, (laughs) It's hard to choose which one. I like the deviled eggs. Um, So I like them like hot with with the um, jalapenos in them. Um, I like a good charcuterie board to go along with them. Just nice. give me all the cheeses and the veggies and the deviled eggs. <laughs> Can't go wrong with deviled eggs. Yeah, no. I might have to agree there. We got two two votes for deviled eggs. I think that's perfect. Neil and I definitely both approve. Since we got that question out of the way, just to get started, just a little bit of background. We started our podcast to kind of dispel some of the mis conceptions of an often misunderstood region that is Appalachia. And growing up, Neil and I grew up in eastern Kentucky and growing up in that region, you know, we were always told by outsiders, always told by the media of how sorry they were for us, how desperate and poverty stricken our area was. And the more times you hear that when you're younger, you know, you're likely 
to believe it or at least start start to believe it. Now, I just wanted to ask you, you know, was pride created to change that to not only promote tourism, but to champion the region in a sense to kind of reshape that narrative? Absolutely. Um, Pride was actually founded in 1997 by Congressman Rogers and the late Secretary Bigford to improve water quality. Those of us who are from eastern Kentucky, we saw it years ago. We saw the diaper trees. We saw the highway litter. We knew that our lakes and rivers weren't swimmable. And so Congressman Rogers took the forefront on it and he founded Pride. And he brought together all of these folks throughout Eastern Kentucky and charged them with making a difference in our region. And it was very much time for somebody to step up and do that. It just took a great leader to take the lead and to charge the folks throughout the region. In 1997, when he first started, as I mentioned, the goal was to improve water quality. And so Pride does that through different prongs. Environmental education is very important. We have had over 800,000 students to receive a lesson on environmental education since we started. Also, it was very important that it be very grassroots. It all starts at home. And so it became a volunteer effort. There were volunteers that were recruited each year, growing to as many as almost 35,000 in one year to pick up litter across the 42 counties of Southern and Eastern Kentucky. As we moved toward actually cleaning up and the progress that we had made, it made sense. We took a step back and we said, okay, we've spent all this time cleaning up and we've made great impact. Now let's bring people here. And so that's what we did with the Kentucky Wildlands. And in 2016, we wrote a grant to the Appalachian Regional Commission They funded in 2017 a strategic plan for us to put together a rebranding of Southern and Eastern Kentucky across 41 counties. And so through that two-year process, we had over 300 people to attend a town hall meeting because we definitely wanted to keep that grassroots approach. It has to be owned by the people in order for them to be proud of it. Right. We did research both in our region, outside of our region. And we came out of that with the Kentucky Wildlands. From that, we did an implementation grant application in 2019. Thankful to the ARC, we were funded for that. Through that, we have started looking at different programs. The number one goal is, of course, to create a regional tourism destination. No time in the past has Eastern Kentucky ever been considered an actual destination. Right. It just hasn't. People come for day travels, but we need to be getting these folks here and realize exactly what we have here. I mean, you could spend weeks here and never see everything. We have eight over 800 waterfalls. We have hiking trails galore, boating. I, I didn't even know until I started working with this project that you could sail in Moorhead, Kentucky. Who yeah. who knew that? I found out yesterday, Tammy, you can also sail in Hyden, Kentucky. Okay. They yeah. started the sailing pro- program there as well. I, I wanted to ask you about that rebranding. You know, we talk about Appalachia, the history, the heritage all the time. By rebranding, do you get away from what we as Appalachians know as Appalachia? Or are you really doubling down on the cultural roots, the history, that has made Appalachia what it is and really just trying to raise awareness of what we know as the incredible culture, history, and heritage of Appalachia? Absolutely. We have three prongs that we build on in the Kentucky Wildlands, and that is to elevate our natural assets, to embrace our culture and heritage, and as Farrah likes to say, even our accents. Yeah. And empower those in the tourism industry. So we are very focused on maintaining who we are and turning that story around that we're proud of who we are. Now, Will, I'm sure you get it. Being in the northern part of Ohio, people love to listen to you talk. And that's one thing I'll never be apologetic about. I'm from Letcher County, like I'm from Blackie, Kentucky. And at no point have I ever in an interview or anything ever said I'm Pikeville or I'm Lexington, because that's not what where I'm from. 
if somebody asks me where I'm from, I always say a little town called Blackie. I grew up in Blackie. I moved to Austin, which was like that. You'll never leave Harlan alive song. They moved west towards Pineville. You know, yeah. it's something, it was big pimping to go to Austin if you were living in Blackie. So um, I will never be apologetic for who we are and, and our brand. That is our brand, our people, our culture, our heritage, but our accents for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We Neil have an I amazing talk- dialect. Neil and I talk about it all the time and we've had episodes on that the Appalachian dialect of how proud we should be of the way we speak of our dialect instead of listening to people downgrade us you know just because we speak differently doesn't mean we are different (laughs) Uh, absolutely and, and to that point what from both of you what do you think just so you know the listeners can hear we have listeners from inside and outside the region what do you think the number one misconception is about the Kentucky wildlands or the region? I think that you hit the nail on the head whenever you said people think that we're not as intelligent because of who we are, where we're from. But I'll tell you that I've met some of the most amazing people that came out of the hills and hollers of Eastern Kentucky that are absolutely some of the most intelligent. My, my granny being one of them, uh, my granny in the twenties, she had 12 brothers and sisters and all of them were college educated. And so was my papa, you know, we're from what you call the actual holler of Eastern Kentucky. And they were all college educated. All their children were college educated. They made sure all of us were as well. That doesn't make somebody intelligent just because they're college educated, but we have street smarts. We have, we have country smart. I think that's one of our biggest misconceptions that we just don't have anything in Eastern Kentucky to provide somebody who wanted to, to, to travel to see us. There's nothing to do there. That's a total misconception because there's so much to do. There's so much to see, yeah. so much to learn about our hills. To that point, so much to see. You know, there's there's everything from adventure trails to moral hunt, hunting to national parks. You mentioned waterfalls. There's historic landmarks. There's lakes. There's the Red River Gorge. There's trail towns. We even have Loretta Lynn's home place to the Country Music Highway Museum. Yes. I mean, there's so much incredible things in, in the wildlands of Kentucky. How do you pitch it? What's your marketing pitch for Kentucky to bring people to the Kentucky wildlands? I mean, it's not hard to pitch it. You know, we, we basically start out with where can you go to see over 800 waterfalls in the Kentucky wildlands? You know, where do you see all these natural sandstone arches? True bourbon is moonshine in our language. So where do you want to get some authentic moonshine in the Kentucky wildlands? Blackie. In Blackie, that's right. That's so right. Do you know, hey, I have a fun fact. Coal miner's daughter was actually filmed uh, the majority of it w- was filmed in Blackie, Kentucky, and not in Van Leer, where no actual Loretta Lynn's home place is. So, Very my cool. papa and granny took in Sissy Spacek and Tommy Lee Jones. So, <laughs> I'll just throw that little fun fact out there. But I like to tell people this because I just found this out. There's a lake in Jenkins, which is in Letcher County, that has freshwater jellyfish. Well, I go to Florida, you can see jellyfish right here at home, <laughs> <laughs> right in your backyard. Trails for ATV riding. And that's one of the most popular things right now in the outdoor adventures is, you know, the ATV riding. We just visited in Hindman, Kentucky. Tammy and I went and and visited there and they have a new place that they have turned reclaimed mining land into a big trail system. And they've put cabins and they've got RV spots, but it's called Mine Made Adventures. So it's a former mining adventure place now so that's what we're doing we've learned to evolve into what we've had to because we've got the smarts to do it now it's time to allow these cities and towns to shine and show us what they can do and we're just the glitter that helps promote them we're not trying to come in and and be their tourism agency we're not trying to come in and take over anything we're trying to help them showcase just how it is because Tammy and I both are passionate we have deep roots in eastern kentucky we just want to show them what their potentials are yeah showing that resiliency of eastern kentucky is one thing that we definitely build into the culture of highlighting the kentucky wildlands it has to start with our people has to that's very well said. When you live in the region, when you live in Eastern Kentucky, I think a lot of times when, you, when you're surrounded by the beauty that is Eastern Kentucky, you often take for granted 
what you actually have. And so when you think about marketing, are you marketing to even people in Kentucky to visit where you are? I, I know you obviously market from outside the region, but I assume that you're marketing to fellow Appalachians, fellow Kentuckians, just to get them to come and experience what you see every day. Absolutely. Community buy-in, we knew was our number one priority. We can say that we're going to call ourselves anything in the world, but until the residents actually feel ownership and pride in that, it's not going to get anywhere. And so we are spending a ton of time on that community buy-in. Farah is in as many chamber meetings, rotary meetings, as she will come speak to any group that wants to reach out to us, just trying to let everybody know who is the Kentucky Wildlands and what can we do to help you? And then we also have, we haven't done as much on the outside. We do have some feeder markets out there. And we intend to expand on that this next grant period. But basically, the first part of it was that community buy-in. And it had to start with the residents themselves. That's very important. I, you know, you mentioned the grant. You were started by the ARC Power Grant, and, and I think some EDA funding as well, but you recently received a Power Grant of $1.2 million, and I want to congratulate you for that. That's awesome news for the region, and I just wanted to see, you know, what are your plans for those funds and going forward for Kentucky Wildlands? Well, thanks so much. We're very excited for this opportunity, as you can imagine. Yeah. And we appreciate the ARC so very much. Farrah and I had a great trip up to Youngstown, Ohio to accept the award a few weeks ago. So it was it was a really great experience. This part of the grant, we call it internally kind of the implementation too, because you know, the first one was the actually implementing and going out and doing that community buy-in, which will continue. That is number one priority always. But this one will expand a little more. We will go more into some of our feeder markets. We also have developed a fully branded hospitality training program, the Lead Right Serve Right program, Lead Right for managers, Serve Right for frontline workers. And Farah will begin teaching those classes coming up the first part of May. Um, those are free to any group of 25 or more that wants to reach out with reach out to us if they would like to have them in their community. So we're definitely going to expand on that program as well as we're developing an entrepreneur program for both adults and youth. You know, entrepreneurship was really encouraged at a at a very young age. And it seems like because of all these curriculum requirements now, there's more focus on just your English and your math instead of those creative, you know, those things that spark those younger youth in which Farah can speak a lot more to this because she teaches a, a youth entrepreneur program. But we also want to be able to direct our, the adults in the region because so many don't even know, and I know myself as I've owned a couple of businesses, and it's very hard to wade through the waters of where do you get this information? What do you do here? How do I get my FEIN number? There's a lot of things that we can do and we want to do to help those people make it much easier to develop those opportunities throughout our region. You know, you mentioned the hospitality training and this entrepreneurship training, but I imagine in the last couple of years, you know, one of the biggest challenges in the tourism industry is really workforce. I imagine with COVID, that's been a major challenge. Was it, was it exacerbated by COVID in regards to your region, your area? How big of a challenge was it? And did y'all do anything to try to kind of co combat that? COVID was extremely challenging to us as it was for everybody, but trying to launch a regional brand <laughs> in the middle of COVID was even more challenging. We were definitely delayed. So we have officially been up for a year and two weeks now. So we definitely were delayed with that. Also, we tried to roll out our hospitality training program as things were lifting, but the workforce was just so slim that employers couldn't afford to send what little help they did have to a free training program. Yeah. 
we did a few of those classes. Um, we had over 50 to attend one of the classes, but a couple of others just, we didn't get the attendance that, that we really wanted to, um, and also understood the struggles that our employers were going through. So we took a step back and said, hey, we're going to hold off another year. So that's why FAIR is getting ready to roll it out now. So I have taught the Young Entrepreneurs Academy for the past 10 years. In that, we teach 7th through 12th graders, or I teach 7th through 12th graders, not only how to start their own business, but that, you know, that whole hospitality thing. We're, we're teaching them soft skills. We're teaching them how important it is to show up dressed in your best for an interview. And so it's no different talking to an adult that you would a youth because they probably didn't have this growing up. In these hospitality classes, the, the main points that I want to do is phone etiquette. Whenever somebody's calling you, you know, give them that Southern hospitality. You know, whenever they come to your restaurant, when they say, what's there to do in this town? You're not saying, oh, there's nothing here. Go over to Corbin because it has the Wrigley's, but London has nothing to, to showcase, you know. So it's just getting past this mentality that we don't have anything in our own backyard whenever we actually do. So that's the whole purpose of this is to take pride, take ownership. Like this is your business. So take pride and let's show the world how hospitable that we can be right here in the Kentucky Wildlands. We're super excited to roll this back out. I actually have almost a full schedule now in May. I've had a bunch of people contact me just today about the hospitality classes. So we're, we're rolling on with these hospitality classes and um, we're excited to start the Entrepreneurs Academy as well for our Eastern Kentucky youth because they're the ones who need it. We need to just keep encouraging the youth and the adults to have pride where they where they live and where they work, where they play, where they stay. But most importantly, there's nothing wrong with coming back home and working. There's, it's great if you want to start your own business somewhere else. But I think our whole purpose is to show them we need to start this economic development here where you grew up, have pride where you grew up, come back home and start your business right here and help make your town stronger. I recently saw that Horse Soldier Bourbon was actually going to, I guess, start in or, or build a facility in Somerset, Kentucky. But, you know, when we think of bourbon, we often think of central Kentucky. But I saw with this recent development that Kentucky Wildlands is going to become either the entrance or the exit, however you look at it, of the bourbon trail, which is really cool. But to that, you know, that economic development, have you seen, especially in rural areas such as Eastern Kentucky, it's a lot of times it's hard to bring in private investment. Have you seen an uptick in private investment? We definitely uh, have. Not only, not only do we have Horse Soldier coming, we have App Harvest, which App Harvest has invested in Moorhead, now invested in Somerset, and it's going to Berea. They're really taking off. You know, that's bringing more. Like these big companies are seeing these starter companies come in here and they're like, what's the buzz about Kentucky? What's the buzz about Eastern Kentucky? What do they know that we don't know? Well, we've got the most perfect water to make your what you know your bourbons and your whiskeys we have perfect climate that's why Canada was looking at us to make hemp we've got perfect climate here we have all four seasons and there's only like six states that has the correct soil to do some of the vegetation that these companies want so we should take pride in our soil that might be because we were big farmers and we have perfect mulch I'm not for sure but it's just a, a beautiful wonderful place to come raise your family build your business and um, enjoy life yeah and I think you can definitely make claim as the entrance and not the exit of the bourbon trail I, I think so I think we're the gateway <laughs> to the bourbon trail yes there we go yeah. <laughs> I, I know that April this month that we're in is spring cleanup month for you guys you want to talk a little bit about about what that is? It is, absolutely. Yes, we're very excited. Every April, you know, it's time to, everybody's got spring fever, they're ready to get out. And so we want to prepare our region for the upcoming tourism season. So April is a perfect time to volunteer at any of the cleanup events across the region. We can have as many as 500 of these in a year. You can visit our website, kypride.org and see where a cleanup near you is. 
we actually have one coming up next Saturday at Cumberland Falls. It is our second largest one where we have had as many as 600 volunteers to show up. We cleaned 29 miles of roadway all the way to McCrary County on one side, Whitley County on the other side, as well as there at Cumberland Falls State Resort Park itself. And we just had a very successful one here in Pulaski County. It's our largest one, which yields about 16, 15, 1600 volunteers per year. Wow. We started as the Highway 27 Clean Sweep, and it just grew in exponential form. We quickly expanded it to all of Pulaski County. So it takes a lot of work. Danny Maston, our recycling director here, really takes the helm for that. And just does a phenomenal job. We do have supplies available, very limited quantities as we are getting closer to the end of April now. If there are any groups that would like to organize their own cleanup, we do have the trash bags, the gloves, the vests. While supplies last, those are available if you want to contact our office. This is our 24th annual spring cleanup. And so since inception, we've had over 487,000 volunteers to pursue to participate in a volunteer event. They have donated over one and a half million volunteer hours. We have eliminated 2,885 illegal dumps. And when I say a dump, it can range anything from where you pick your, or where you drive your pickup truck out to the end of the road and you dump the mattress over to huge acres of dump land that we have cleaned up. That's amazing. 972,000 old tires no longer litter our roadways. So we're nearing that million point. 985,000 bags of trash in addition to 190,000 tons. 925,582 students impacted through environmental education projects. And through those, we build outdoor classrooms, nature walks, also teach them how to plant gardens compost, various things to just remind children. And a lot of times they don't get that in school anymore. So we want to be there to teach them how to farm. And also one of our more popular programs and one of my favorites personally, because it does focus so, so specifically on water quality improvement is our homeowner septic system grant program. And through that, we have provided sanitary sewer to 34,000 homes. That's so important. I also read somewhere that you all have applied for a national heritage area designation. If you want to explain for the listeners, some of the listeners that don't know what that means and how that differs from a national park. But I think that would be an incredible designation for Eastern Kentucky. Can you just describe that and explain uh, your thoughts behind it? Absolutely. So when we first launched this brand, we, you know, we're very excited to launch the brand. But then as we started thinking a little more about it, it was like, okay, again, we can call ourselves anything, but hey, if we get an actual designation, that really puts us on the map. Congressman Rogers and Senator McConnell co-chaired it, co-championed it, and they put it through legislation to direct the National Park Service to begin the study to make the Kentucky Wildlands the first national heritage area in the state of Kentucky. There are only 55 of them in the United States. Generally, this process takes at a minimum of 10 years at a very minimum. So we're very appreciative to Senator McConnell and Congressman Rogers for their diligence and their hard work to get that push so quickly. The economic impact that this could have if you look at our neighbors to the east of us in the coal heritage area, they had a $16 million economic impact in 2016 just from their national heritage area designation. So this could definitely be a game changer for eastern Kentucky. The national heritage area is 41 counties. However, the way the legislation is written, any surrounding county that borders those 41 counties, if you want to submit to the National Park Service that you have the culture, the heritage, the natural assets, all the criteria to be part of an NHA, you also can be included. And we have had several of our counties through on the outside of that 41 county region that is our current wildlands 
to reach out and say, hey, we want to be part of this. So please, if you have any questions, feel free to call me anytime, 888-577-4339. How far along are we in, in becoming a National Heritage Area? We are in year three of the study. Generally, it takes three years, but of course, COVID delayed everything. So we are looking to be finished by early spring of next year. Awesome. Since you drive tourism, you drive economic development in the region, do you have a favorite park in the Kentucky Wildlands? Um, I would have to probably say Kingdom Come State Park. It's absolutely beautiful. That would be my favorite. For me, uh, it's so hard to pick like, one. Like picking a favorite child. Yeah. It's, well, <laughs> they each are one, our children now. <laughs> I mean, each one has their own beauty and something different. Like Kingdom Come State Park. I mean, you have just these beautiful mountains and just amazing scenery. But then look at Cumberland Falls. You know, where else can you see the Niagara of the South? It's really, really hard for me to choose one. Or if you look at Jenny Wiley, I mean, if you want to go take a pontoon boat, a quaint, quiet pontoon boat ride on, on Dewey Lake, it's perfect. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you off the hook for that, but we'll ask you as a follow-up, do you have a favorite lake? No pressure, but you know, I have a boat on Lake Cumberland, so I would have to say Lake Cumberland is probably my favorite, but it's also one of the most successful in the state. We have over 4 million visitors. We have more shoreline than the state of Florida. One of the deepest lakes that you can possibly fish or swim in. Um, they say we have catfish the size of Volkswagens um, <laughs> down by the dams. I, I feel like I'm a little, probably a little biased with it. And my second favorite would probably be Car Creek, Car Fork Lake. Nice. What's your favorite thing to do in the Kentucky Wildlands? I like to kayak and I like to float down the rivers. We have some really, really nice streams to float down. Just you and a cooler and some friends is a really, really fun thing to do in the Kentucky Wildlands. Definitely one of my favorites for sure. And just the hiking, hiking here is amazing. You can do everything from just a short amateur walk to your an expert at it. And you always seem to find something different, no matter if you've done the same trail every single time, there's always something new. Nice. Do you have a favorite restaurant in the wild? I think Tammy and I probably both, both will say the Wrigley and Corbin. We, we've actually had that answer a time or two <laughs> from people. I do love the Wrigley. Yeah. Have you guys tried the local honey in London? Yeah, I haven't it's, it's yet, good. but I have it on my list. Yes. And there's another one. Is it Breeze? Yeah, like the brand new one in Corbin. Yes. So I definitely want to try it as well. Yeah, I haven't been there yet myself either. Do you have a favorite stay, place to stay if someone was coming to the Wildlands? Well, we do have the cabins that are suspended from boulders, basically, in the Red River Gorge and the treetop nice. cabins as well. But then we have the covered wagons at the Sheltoe uh, Trace Adventures Resort, which is really cool because it, I mean, you get all the amenities in these covered wagons that you would in a, in an Airbnb. So those are probably my two favorites. I haven't stayed at either one of them though. I love uh, to stay at Pine Mountain. And I also love the cabins at Cumberland Falls. Um, and Benham Schoolhouse Inn. Is yes. a really cool, unique place to stay. So oh, if you ask me unique places to stay, those would be the unique ones. Someone from out of the region was coming in for just a day and they could only, they only had an hour. If you su could suggest one thing for them to see, could you narrow it down to just, just one? It's kind of like I would love for them to go to Pine Mountain and see Chained Rock. Yeah. Yeah. One hour. <laughs> we were waiting on that. I got I got engaged there, Farah. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> I think I would have to tell him Cumberland Falls. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah. I wanted to ask you about May 1st through 7th. It's National Travel and Tourism Week. Do y'all have big plans for that? Well, yeah, you know, April, that's the whole purpose of this April spring cleanup. April showers brings May flowers. April cleanup brings May tourists. 
Nice. So we, we may have some tricks up our sleeves for tourism week. I'm teaching a hospitality class that week. So that'll be a good segue into welcoming our tourists for that. Yeah, we've got, we've got some fun stuff coming up for um, tourism week for sure. We also always ask all of our guests this, this one question. I just want the first thing that comes to each of your mind, whatever, what rolls off the tongue first when we say the word Appalachia? Home. Beautiful. Nice. Perfect. Go ahead. Do you consider Somerset, Eastern Kentucky? We did some research. And of course, most folks here in Somerset do not consider themselves Eastern Kentucky. And so we're respectful by saying South Central and Eastern Kentucky. I would consider Somerset not really being Eastern Kentucky, more of South Central. One question that we also ask everyone, we kind of ground our podcast on place and perspective. And so place and home is really an important part of our podcast. So we just wanted to ask you as kind of the final question, just where do you call home and, and what makes it unique? What makes it home for you? Home to me, I my mom was from Pike County. I have deep Eastern Kentucky roots. I myself was raised in McCurry County. So home is Stearns. My grandpa worked many years in the Stearns Coal and Lumber Company. So have deep, deep roots in the culture of our region. So I will always call McCurry County home, encourage everybody, if you haven't been, go see Stearns, the Stearns Trail Town, and now I reside here in Pulaski County. And I think I've made it pretty clear that Blackie's home, <laughs> Blackie's home but um, I absolutely love Somerset. I can't imagine any place else that I would rather be right now in, my, in this time of my life. Tammy and I are great partners in in our careers together. So I really love my job. I couldn't imagine doing anything else at this point. Somerset is definitely home now, but Blackie is where my heart is for sure. You know, we want to commend you ladies. You're doing incredible work for your organizations, but for Eastern Kentucky as a whole. I mean, it's so encouraging to to hear about all the great things that are happening. And if no one has seen your website, if the listeners haven't seen your website, check it out. You all have some amazing photos on there. All the beauty, all the culture, all the heritage that is Eastern Kentucky, that is Appalachia. And we want to commend you for that. And thank you for being on the show. And is there anything you want to leave our listeners with some websites where they can reach out? Uh, I know you've mentioned it a time or two, but is there anything else you want to add? Thank you Um, so much, Will, for having us. Um, If I could just mention our website is explorekywildlands.com. Of course, you can call our office anytime, 888-577-4339. I also would like to encourage the listeners, public comment is open for the National Heritage Area designation until June 1st. If you would like to, and we highly encourage it because we need it, we need support for this program. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Please go to our website, and along the drop-down at top, you'll see National Heritage Area. You can click there, and it will take you directly to the page. So you can leave the public comment. We will uh, both try to do that ourselves. So hopefully that'll help. Thank you so much. We appreciate that so much. Our goal here with this podcast is to, we say it all the time, gas up Appalachia. And you ladies get to do that on a daily basis. So we commend you for doing that. And uh, we look forward to hearing all the great things that'll come out of the Kentucky Wildlands. Well, we have amazing partners across our 41 counties that have helped us gas it up. I failed to mention the grotto in Grayson at Grayson Lake. If you've never been to a grotto, take your kayaks to Grayson Lake and check it out. It's so beautiful. We have several pictures of it on our Facebook page. Our Facebook and Instagram folks, you need to go check those out as well. And they're also Explore KY Wildlands. Yes, we actually won an international award for our website. Again, 6,500. Y'all have a great website. It's well-deserved. Well, thank you both so much. Great Earth Day episode. Special Earth Day episode. We couldn't have a better organization or a couple of individuals to be on the show. Yeah, Tammy and Farrah do a great job with Kentucky Wildlands, and I'm so glad that they took a few minutes out of their day to come on and talk to us and educate us as well as our listeners about all the wonderful beauty that there is and exists uh, all throughout eastern Kentucky. 
Um, I'm super proud of what they're doing and super proud of what Kentucky Wildlands represents. So thanks to Tammy and also to Farah, two great representatives of Kentucky. Yeah, and it's not just us being biased talking about how incredible their organization is. You know, like we mentioned in the episode, they just received a power grant. So it's an entire region of Appalachia giving this recognition about all they've done. You know, they talked about their website winning awards. They've done some incredible work, and I can't wait to see what they do with that power grant and going forward. Yeah, I hope all our listeners do take the time and go check out that website. It is great work that they've done. And also, you know, when you think about your next three or four day vacation or even a weekend, look at what's near you because what we have to offer the rest of the country is unbelievable and unmatched. So I would highly encourage you to visit some of uh, Tammy and, and Ferris' favorite spots throughout Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, all of Appalachia is beautiful. All of Appalachia has some amazing opportunities for travel and tourism, but you know, like we said, there's none better than the Kentucky Wildlands. Absolutely. Take a long weekend. Check it out. Neil, I wanted to ask you, you know, we talk about of place on here every episode. We have a of place segment. I just wanted to mention that of place segment is just something about Appalachia, something about the episode that gives us that sense of place. Do you have anything for us of place? Yeah, Will, you know, I do. And we've kind of kind of touched on this location a bit earlier in the episode. But for me, when I think about beauty and what Eastern Kentucky represents, it takes me back to one of our favorite places that we've talked about and one of the big moments uh, in my life. <laughs> so I got to talk about Chain Rock and its special place that it has in, in, uh, in my heart and in my family. So just to tell the story, many, many years ago now, I drove up the side of a mountain with a girl and uh, got engaged up at Chain Rock. It's all about a girl. It was all about a girl and a ring and a road. And and I couldn't think of a more beautiful place on earth than Chain Rock. So I wanted uh, Rachel to see that place. And she was not happy on the way up there because the road <laughs> is not straight, as you can imagine. What a beautiful sight it is when you get to the top and you get an opportunity to walk out there and check out the landscape that it shows. And I got engaged there. I felt like it was a great omen. That chain has held that rock up there for many, many years. Hey, engagement. So, uh, yeah. That's a great, you know, sense of place. Obviously, you know, growing up in Pineville, like most people in Pineville, our backyard was the mountains. I, I can remember going into the mountains and hiking from our house all the way up to chain rock which is a long hike but it doesn't compare in my opinion to most places i've ever been yeah i know i think we need to make sure we share this episode with our buddy david johnston too maybe he can get up there and take some beautiful landscape photography pictures that's a great idea for our listeners i hope they hit us up on social let us know that they're enjoying our content our uh, what we're putting out each week give us some ideas if you got any you know hopefully you'll check out some of the places that kentucky wildlands or what Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky has to offer. And you can check out Kentucky Wildlands website and pick out your next spot for a three or four day weekend. Definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I guess I can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong I'm in the mountains